Welcome to On Sup. I am Animesh and Peter, I am going to straight up ask you what makes the ocean fucking awesome? If it was any other band, I would have a response for you. But uh, with this, I'm kind of speechless because there's like a lot I can say about the ocean and keep going on. Uh, at the same time, if I don't say anything also, that'll be enough. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, there's something about their sound, uh, the production also that they have. And it's really hard to describe a band like theirs because, you know, having listened to that discography, you can't say, you know, that there are two albums that are like every album has its own kind of sound, their own kind of production, and they just keep topping themselves. And I'm going to stop blabbing there. <laughs> mm. Is it right for me to say that what you've said right now is just one tiny drop in the vast majority of thoughts that you have for the ocean? Yes, I knew this was coming, but I'm yeah, it's a really bad attempt at 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 humor. And for those of you who got the joke, you can uh, uh, reach out to me. I'm at Asmoani on Twitter. No, wait, wait, wait. We are not doing that. That's uh, it's not the end of the show yet. Anyways, anyways, coming back on track. Yes, fans of the German band will know that the new album, Phanerozoic uh, Two, Mesozoic, and Cenozoic, releases next week. Uh, we had a chance to talk to founding member Robin Stapps around a month back. And the only reason we're releasing this conversation now is to try and get the conversation as close to the album release as possible so that you guys can get a bit more context when you're spinning the album. So consider it uh, like almost like an early gift of sorts. Let's fucking go. And now from the ocean, it's Robin Stapps. Hi, Robin. Welcome to Haunts Up. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's begin with some chat about uh, the new album, Phanerozoic 2. This is a very open-ended question, and I'd like you to take us through as many aspects here as possible. How does this album build on what we've already heard on Phanerozoic 1? Well, it's the direct uh, continuation of Phanerozoic 1 in a conceptual way, and also musically. It kind of like continues where the first part left off, but then ventures into entirely different territories. Um, we decided to keep the more, the more experimental, more progressive, more daring material, if you want so, for the second part, because we wanted the first part to have this very streamlined feel to it. Most of the songs um, have similar tempos and just a continuous vibe from the you know, beginning to the end of the record. That was the paradigms um, that we set for ourselves with that album. And the second part is a lot more eclectic musically it's it's going through a larger variety of different styles tempos um and song structures uh including some of the most complicated tracks i ever wrote um and also very long songs and also some very straightforward more minimalist uh thinned out spaced out uh, tracks on the second half of the record so both records are musically quite dif different but if you listen to them uh in a sequence to the first part first and then to the second part all the way from the beginning to the end and I think it all makes sense it's it's a journey that uh, starts in one place and ends in a place that you wouldn't necessarily expect when you listen to the beginning of Fenrozoic 1 or even when you listen to the beginning of Fenrozoic 2 still but if you have listened through then I think it all makes sense basically and conceptually um, obviously the second part of the Fenrozoic continues the Phanerozoic album concept, this paleontological um, theme that we have chosen, 
basically continuing um, where Precambrian left off already in 2007. That's where Fenrisoic uh, 1 continued. And Fenrisoic um, 2 covers the geological eras of Mesozoic and Cenozoic, which is the second half of the Fenrisoic, which is the eon mm-hmm. we currently live in. Yep. And um, and um, what happened during the Mesozoic is that after the, the Great Dying, which was the last track of Fenrisoic 1, life researched on Earth slowly, and um, eventually this asteroid hit um, the Yucatan Peninsula, and now, now it is Mexico, some 65 million years ago, and again wiped out all life on Earth, including the dinosaurs, which is what most people know this for. And um, this is the, the core of the, the record, basically, and especially the track Jurassic Cretaceous. This uh, collision with the asteroid basically ended the Mesozoic era and inaugurated the Cenozoic era, which is the time we currently still live in. And uh, we're approaching that, uh, that planetary collision theme in uh, the artwork and in a lot of the lyrics on the record taken to the human level, obviously, because that happened 65 million years ago when there was no uh, humanity, uh, even in its infancy, there was nothing. And uh, when you write lyrics, obviously you want to, you know, make it make it relevant for, it, for people. So we kind of transfer this uh, idea, this impending planetary collision to a human level and uh, referencing Lars von Trier's Melancholia movie thereby, which has exactly that uh, as, as the topic of the movie, basically. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the long detailed answer. So um, I'm sure this I'm sure this question would have been uh, asked to you at some point in time. But uh, before starting work on Phanerozoic itself, both parts one and two, did you already know that there would be a second part as such to the album? Essentially, did the music and the idea for both parts, did it come to you together before you began working on the first album in the first place? Before we began, we began recording, the answer is yes, absolutely. When we started recording um, the Fenrozoics, we knew it was going to be two records already. And we tracked um, drums for both albums together in one single session in early 2018. So by that time, we already knew that we were going to uh, release it in two separate parts. But the, the material itself was written over the course of um, three summers, which must have been 2015, 16, and 17, I believe. So it's it's interesting uh, that some of the material is already five years old by now, you know, but there's always this delay between writing and releasing an album. For us, it takes a long time, uh, also because of our heavy touring schedules. And um, and uh, yeah, we've, we recorded drums for both albums in early 2018 in Iceland. Then we focused on finishing the first part, which was released in late 2018. And during the year 2019, we were pretty much on the road most of the year. Started in India with five shows <laughs> and then went to Australia, New Zealand, and then European summer festivals, and then this extensive tour of Armenia, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Japan. And then we toured with Leprous in Europe. So we were out the whole year and we were struggling to find time to finish the second part because only the drums were recorded at that point. And we kind of you know, recorded the, the remaining guitars um, throughout the year and the last bass parts and vocal parts we actually recorded on this tour with Leprous in November last year, literally uh, a week or two before we entered the studio to mix the record. So there was great time pressure, but I think it helped us focus. And um, 
we took a bit of a different approach with that record and um, and and our like uh, our working method on it. Um, with Fenrisoic one and pretty much all the previous records, I had a very clear idea of pretty much every detail of the record before we entered the studio. And for Fenrisoic two, I left a lot of it open until much later stages in the making, and uh, a lot of decision actually until the mix and the, the record. That basically led to the record itself not really shaping up until the very end of the process. But when it did, it was very rewarding. And it, uh, the good thing about it was that I wasn't too attached to my own pre-productions as I usually am. And then it's difficult to allow any other opinions to come in, you know, because you've already worked with this for several months and you're so attached to that. But you don't really see if it's actually good or bad anymore. And so this time I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to really leave that until the moment when we mix with Jens Borgren. And uh, I wanted that to be the moment when everything comes together. And it did. And it, it did in a very rewarding and very positive way. And um, I'm, I'm very happy we, we tried it this way this time around to also to just keep it interesting. You know, if you just do take the same approach with every record, you'll essentially get bored. So it was time to try something new. We did. And I think uh, it was a success. Okay. So, of course, everything seems to have worked out absolutely fine. But... Uh... Given a choice, would you have preferred to release these albums as a double album or maybe in close proximity to one another? Why or why not? No, absolutely not. Um, we took a conscious decision to not do it that way. We've done that with Heliocentric and Anthropocentric. They were both released in the same year in 2010. And back then I felt that Anthropocentric, uh, which was released second, received a lot less attention than Heliocentric. Because it's just the nature of our hope people and especially press are you know a lot of a lot of uh, magazines back then were telling us oh we've already featured you once in the year we're not going to do it a second time so anthropocentric drowned a little bit and i didn't want to risk that again and uh, it's heavy material not not in terms of uh, physical heaviness but in terms of like it takes a long time to digest a track like jurassic cretaceous you know for example and i didn't want to overload people with information at the, too much information at the same time this time around, I wanted to uh, let our fans absorb the first record first fully and tour on it and then give them the second part of the album, which again is a challenge and uh, a quite dif different one uh, compared to the first part. And releasing all of that in one record, I don't think we would have done ourselves a favor. I think it would have just uh, led to a lot of tracks on the second half not getting the attention they deserve. All right. So uh, we've spoken a little bit about how about the songwriting aspects as such on this new album. So let's delve a bit deeper into that. There's a lot going on in this new album, you know, different sonic landscapes from numerous genres, different textures, more electronics. Um, it's a lot more playful in that manner. Why did you choose to push the sonic boundaries that we heard on part one on this album? Why was it necessary? Well, it, it wasn't really necessary. We could have just done another record like part one, but as I mentioned before, we need to keep this interesting for ourselves and we also like to do that for our fans. And usually when you explore a certain set of paradigms with one record and you're done with it, um, then you're really keen to, to just do something else, you know, and to write different, different songs. But I have to say here, most of the material was already written, uh, as I said, when we started recording. So it's just that um, it, it wasn't a conscious choice, like we're going to make one record that is like that and then another record that is going to be like that. It's that we had all this material 
and it kind of naturally fell into place. It was clear that uh, like those six or seven songs were definitely going to be on on part one because they kind of belonged together. They were all written in the same year and uh, they had this consistency and they felt like this has to be together. And then there was all the other material. And for all the other material, I didn't really have uh, the full, the big picture initially. I, I just knew that they wouldn't fit on part one. So we left them for part two. And then um, we weeded out a bunch of stuff that didn't really seem fit. But then there was like the core tracks left that made it onto this record. And they had a totally different aesthetic of their own. But they were already there. It was not a conscious choice we took. It was just like uh, looking at the material we had written and then finding the appropriate way to release it and putting together what fits together rather than uh, releasing two records that are just tiring because, you know, they're, they're jumping from one mood into the next with every track. And I don't like to do that. I like to have a record be something that sucks you in uh, at the beginning of the record and doesn't let go of you until the very end of it. And I think both of these albums do that, but in very different ways. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about some of the guest vocalists on this record. Once again, you have Catatonia's Jonas Rengse and uh, you also have Breach, uh, the vocalist from Breach, Thomas Lijidahal. I don't know. I, I probably would have butchered that surname. Lijidahal. <laughs> <laughs> Would, would be the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, how yep. was the uh, how was the collaboration process as such with them, working with them, and getting their voices and their vocal textures, etc., to fit onto your soundscape? Well, we've worked with Thomas a number of times. This is actually the fourth record uh, of ours that he is guesting on. He was on Aeolian back in two thousand six already. Um, he was on. Precambrian and he was on Pelagial. So it's the fourth time. Yeah. We knew we knew what we would get from him. Um, uh -huh. I've been a massive Breach fan all of my life, basically. And they were probably one of the most important bands for me growing up as a guitar player and, um, and a musician. So did you and, write the uh, songs that you did that featured them for them or knowing that you would get them to uh, do the vocals? Um, no, none of them. I started becoming okay. friends with Thomas in 2006. And when we released Aeolian, which was the first record that he was on, it was that we wanted to have a different vocalist for every song of that record. It was just a crazy idea I had at that time, which was partially born out of the necessity that we didn't uh, have a vocalist for quite some time. And then it was just like, let's just ask the, our favorite vocalists of our favorite bands to sing on the record. And that's how... Nate from Converge and Sean Ingram from Colis was on that record and um, and Thomas from Breach as well. So that was the idea back then. And then we started becoming friends and um, and I asked him again uh, if he wanted to guest on Precambrian. But it was all songs that were written with no particular vocalist in mind. And uh, this okay. track now on Fenerozoic 2, uh -huh. um, it was also not really written for him, but I had the idea to ask him to sing on that song very early, like while I was writing the song, because it's a bit of a homage to Breach in a way. You know, the guitar chords are very, very breachy, I think. And uh, so it just made sense. It was like an obvious uh, thought that struck me to, to ask him to sing again. And it's also a nice tradition we wanted to continue. And um, yeah, so it's... it's um, of course, it fits. I wouldn't give him like an electronic part, you know, and and uh, or something he he doesn't or maybe doesn't feel comfortable with, but something that fits within his his vocal range and uh, and his style and and his general tone and everything. And um, with Jonas, well, he was on the first part of the record, 
and uh, his contribution to the second part was a very spontaneous thing. It, it wasn't really planned because most of the vocals were already written and recorded for that album. And um, what happened then was that we were on tour with Leprous and our synth player, Peter, he was not on that tour. He had to stay home. And so he was still working on, on synths. And he came up with this new part for Jurassic Cretaceous that we all loved. But it was not working out with Luik's existing already recorded vocals and also not with the guitars. And so we had to make a choice and we decided to get rid of the guitars and Luik's vocals because we loved this new arpeggio synth part and we thought it fit the song really well. And then somebody was saying, let's just send it to Jonas because we were on tour. We didn't have the means to record something new at that time. And at the same time, right after the tour, we had the studio book for mix. So there was the time pressure again, and we just sent it to Jonas and asked him if he, uh, if he, if he wants to try something out over that part. And he really loved it and, uh, and did so and sent us his parts back shortly afterwards. And again, it was instantly perfect. Like he, he really hit the nail on the head, I think, with his vocal, vocal parts over this new part in the song. And so I'm very happy that we have him on this second part of the record again. Mm, all right. Um... Phanerozoic 1 received a lot of critical acclaim and love from listeners as well. Has that reception colored your expectations from uh, Phanerozoic 2? Do you feel any sense of added pressure this time around? I think I'm past the age where I would feel that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, now, uh, <laughs> I'm now just dealing with, you know, dealing with it in a way that um, I, it, there's nothing I can do about it anyways. I don't really read much reviews anymore. But of course, I follow like social media and, and and see what people think about it. And I think the reactions to Jurassic Cretaceous have been spectacular. And as a matter of fact, I think that stream has reached more, uh, that song has reached more streams in the first two weeks than any other song did previously. So people seem to love it. That's great. But I also know that this record is a challenge. Um, and uh, I, in a way, I think all of our records are, you know, when we released Fog Diver in 2003, which was instrumental, um, that kind of like put us in a certain uh, in, a, in a certain scene or whatever, or in a certain range of expectations. And then when we released Fluxion in 2004 with uh, quite brutal death metal style vocals, everybody was like, what the fuck? We thought this band was instrumental. And, you know, so we've been, and that happened with pretty much every record of ours. Uh, there were always people who were saying, oh, this is not what I expected. Well, fair enough. That's kind of why we do this. And uh, on the other hand, I think we, we have a, a very loyal tribe of fans that has been with us throughout the years and that appreciates exactly that, the fact that you cannot really expect the same album twice and that every record uh, is, a, is a challenge of its own. And uh, I think we're in a very lucky position there because, because people actually appreciate that and we could release anything and would probably get away with it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've always wanted to ask this to a, a musician or band that decides to release an instrumental version of an album. Um, how do you intend for this music to be heard, with vocals or without vocals? And does it really bother you if the audience chooses one over the other at all? Um, no, absolutely not. Because, I mean, the reason why we release the, our albums uh, in two formats, uh, as, as a vocal edition with Loïc singing on the record, and as an instrumental addition um, um, on the side of it, basically, is because both have a right to exist and both are completely different perspectives on the same thing. And that's what I love about um, 
making rec our records available like that. I listen to a lot of instrumental music myself. And I think when you take the vocals away, there's a lot of, um, a lot of details in the music that you will notice, which otherwise you wouldn't, because we're so conditioned to pay attention to the lead vocals that as soon as you take them away, you know, like you realize, oh, wow, there's like this extra guitar, this synth. And, and I think that's great. And um, even with bands where I really like the vocalists, I always appreciate to have an extra instrumental version. And um, I think it's just great. And it offers you a different perspective on, on the music. And to be fair, uh, the mix for both records here is, is not identical. We did bring in extra instruments on the instrumental version that we had to take out on the vocal versions because they were just either conflicting with the vocals or making the song too busy. So, for example, there's uh, some tracks we recorded in Yerevan in Armenia with uh, a traditional flute and woodwinds player last year for um, the opening track, Triassic. And uh, some of those parts, um, they didn't fit on the vocal version because they were conflicting with Luik's lines. So we had to leave them out there. But we did bring them in again on the instrumental version. So it's also different music, partially. It's different mixes, you know. And I think it's really, uh, really interesting to have that. And... I've, I'm totally fine. I mean, I'm not the singer. Maybe Luik will give you a different answer, but I'm totally fine with people choosing either version. Like, if, uh, I enjoy playing instrumental sets. We have done that a few times in the past. It's a very different vibe, obviously, because Luik is very energetic and uh, his performance kind of like, it's, it's easier for the, the, the spark of energy to spill over to the crowd with a front vocalist, you know? So the instrumental sets, they're more, more distant, more... Um, yeah, it's it's just a totally different energy, but I do appreciate both equally. And um, yeah, everyone can can take a choice and it doesn't have to be the same choice every day. You know, you can listen to the instrumental records on Mondays and uh, to the vocal version on Tuesdays if you want. Or one in the morning and one in the evening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right. So Robin, we've spoken at length about uh, Phanerozoic 2. Um, at this point, we'd like to play a song from the album. Which one should we play and why? Well, uh, let's do Jurassic Cretaceous because it's the most representative song of the whole record, I think. Uh, it's a 13 and a half minutes track. And I think pretty much very representative of where we stand as a band in the year 2020. So let's do that. Fantastic. Here's Jurassic Cretaceous. <laughs>
You've been around for a couple of decades now and this is your eighth album. Do you feel it's getting easier for you to write new music or has it become harder? Um, right now, I'm inclined to say it's got it's gotten harder. And the reason for that is that I am right now in Spain um, writing new music. <laughs> and um, so 
I'm, I'm having the ex, uh, experience now that like lot, lots of stuff isn't working as I was planning for it to work. And at the same time, I'm, I'm quite distracted by a lot of work that I have for Pelagic Records to do every day. So it's more difficult to find the time slots to really take myself away and focus on writing music. However, when I do that, when I get into the zone, then it's, it still flows. And, uh, and that will always be the case, I think. What's gotten harder is like to find the time space to take myself away from my everyday life and also the label work, which uh, has increased a lot with Pelagic Records growing over the last two years, especially. And um, not the process of writing music itself. It's mostly related to these external circumstances, like like time or just technical stuff not working out. And then, yeah, you have, I really need to isolate myself to write music and, and have a couple of days to do nothing else. And uh, that's becoming increasingly harder. Okay. So this one's from one of our listeners. And, you know, it's about your album names that seem to be driven by the geological epochs or ages, as it were. So... Technically, you've, you know, arranged, uh, addressed our current time in the current album. Uh, we're living in the Sinozic age, right? Uh, but given all that we're going through, you know, the climate crisis, losing thousands of wild species, political upheaval and instability, trade wars, joblessness, growth, uh, and now we're in another global pandemic. Do you think we'll ever get an album that's focused on the Holocene era? Well, there is a track on Fenrozoic 2 titled Holocene, so it's happening with this record. It's actually a bonus track that is on the limited edition uh, vinyl versions, but we also decided to release it digitally, um, but it's not on the on the regular version. So that track is already written. <laughs> it's on the record. And awesome. um, yeah, so the idea with Fenrozoic um, was to connect Precambrian with heliocentric. You know, heliocentric kind of starts where humanity came into the picture, and that happened during the Holocene, but only at the very, very end of the Holocene. Like the, the major part of the Holocene was still without human mm-hmm. beings on it. So yep. we kind of like covered uh, covered our duty now, and everything is there. So I think with the next records, time time for a fresh start. Kind of the last question, but uh, this takes us back to an episode we did uh, at the start of the year, where uh, one of I mentioned that one of my highlights of last year in terms of live gigs was your show here in Bombay. So yeah. I must ask, what are your memories of uh, your tour specifically from that gig and also from your India tour? Oh, it was a it was an amazing tour. Uh, it was really really cool. And the Bombay show, well, I remember everything. It was only last year. It was really good vibes, high energy, nice club. Um, yeah, it was it was a really nice evening, and like the whole India tour was a mind blowing experience. I'm very happy to say that because our first time in the country in 2014 uh, was pretty shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were we were really lucky. We spoke about it then, and yeah, we were really lucky with with Ram, who did an amazing job with his tour, and all the shows were good. But Bombay was my personal highlight of that tour in terms of shows. But yeah, we really got to got to see a bit of India, and um, and we loved it. And like the first thing we said uh, as soon as we were back was like, let's try to come back as soon as possible. And um, ever since, I've been trying to make that work. But right now, nothing is possible. You know, not just traveling to India, but like no tours are happening in Europe or in the US or anywhere. So we just have to wait this out. But uh, be absolutely sure that we will try to be back as soon as possible. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I really Fantastic. look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Same here, man. <laughs> yeah. So you know, 
uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you robin and uh, really looking forward to diving more and giving more listens to the new album so i just want to say thanks and horns up yeah excellent horns up man thank you guys personally i'm really excited to listen to the instrumental album now yeah check it out it's a, it's a it's a ride i think this record works maybe a, a little better than other records instrumentally because there's a lot happening yeah. and um yeah it's i, I really enjoy that too <laughs> that mumbai gig i'm guessing peter is one of the most memorable gigs you've ever been to right i mean it's it's like become one of those really 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 special moments in your life yeah i think we've been to so many gigs at the habitat right and uh, you know once the ocean went on stage it sounded like you know they were somewhere else they kind of for lack of better term kind of transformed the place and uh, everything was on point i mean the band the sound one good thing i like about the ocean is you know even when you're listening to it on whatever headphones uh later just close your eyes and you go back to those moments that you saw them live they still have that kind of energy and uh, yeah man uh i have goosebumps thinking about that gig right now also the fact that you just said no matter where you listen to it just makes me think of a really stupid promo that i hopefully somebody some fan of the band should do like take a seashell and instead of the ocean you hear the ocean <laughs> if if robin is listening to this or anyone else from the label we want credits <laughs> or we'll do it ourselves <laughs> i think they'll also go like who are these jokers why did we need to give them an interview <laughs> sorry robin i apologize we don't mean to like joke around but i'm sorry that was very low hanging fruit Anyways, will we ever experience a gig like that anytime soon? That's a question that we leave the world to answer. All you listeners, here's your chance. See if you can say this along with me. Reach out to us. We are at hauntsupport.com and at hauntsupport on the Twitter machine. I am at Asmohani. I am at Trend Crusher. And this was Hauntsup. Hauntsup guys. <laughs>